And welcome back, George Norrie, along with Suzanne Wilson and your calls. Suzanne, what are the five principles that you've talked about that anyone can use to get more after-death communications going? Look, this is true for anyone. First off, I'm going to tell you on my YouTube channel, there's a free video walking you through how to invite and receive and recognize more signs. But what I'm going to tell you real quickly here are five steps to meet your spirit loved one in meditation, whether it's a person or a pet. First, remove your limitations. Let go of any fear. And most people don't fear. If you're doing this process, you're not fearing the contact. You want the contact. You're fearing the failure. What if this doesn't work? It may not work the first few times. You have to stick with it. So remove that fear. Number two, set an appointment. We're going to meet in meditation. Let's say it's next Tuesday Mm -hmm. at 5 p.m., right? They have to pay – the spirit people have to pay attention to the time and date for you because they don't do that on their side. So set an appointment. We're going to meet. Number three, create the place. So, George, I'm sure you can think of a place like a particular loved one that's now in the spirit world, a place you used to like to be together, a place that you like to go. You can come up with something like that pretty easily, right? Sure. We all can. We all can. And if it's a loved one that, you know, you want to meet with great-grandma and you didn't know them um, and you didn't meet with them somewhere, create a place that you know because you need to be able to visualize, imagine it, feel it, remember how it smelled, Remember where you sat or stood. Create that place in your mind. And number four, start sending that thought to the loved one. Remind them of the time and date and show them a mental picture of the place you want to meet in meditation. And then finally, the last step is go have that meeting. A few minutes before, just think of a happy memory with them to get your heart really open and close your eyes and Put yourself mentally in that space and see what happens and stick with it. Give it a go once a week until it works. What about the dream state, Suzanne? How does that work to communicate? Dreams are fabulous because of the fact that we are able to remove all of our limitations. The spiritual body is able to fly around quite literally while the physical body sleeps. We're tethered to our body safely by a cord of light. That light will break only at physical death, so you can always find your way back. When we're asleep, we're able to receive. We're in that very deep delta mode where the the subconscious and the unconscious are awake. The loved ones will come into the dream sometimes when you least expect it. And how you know it's real is because it's very short, it's positive, It matches their personality, and the message is love. Lots of times their lips don't move because they're communicating telepathically, and that is all normal. Now, it's not really a dream visit if it scares you, if it goes on and on and on, if it's not like their personality or they say something that doesn't quite fit. That might be that pizza you had too late (laughs) the night before. Do people get so depressed in contacting their loved ones? that uh, you're concerned about them? Yes. I I mean, I've had people tell me, I think I'm just going to die. I've lost hope. I know that feeling of when when you've lost hope, that's typically when the psychiatrist takes out their prescription pad because they know, you know, we have to have hope 
to navigate this this life on earth and if i or someone like me can empower somebody to feel the the presence of their loved one or can give a message so they know hey your loved one's doing all right and they're still with you that can restore hope but it doesn't heal grief grief we carry with us we walk through grief we don't get rid of it but hope can be restored do various generations have different abilities to contact the dead this new generation the ones born in the last 20 years i'm i'm super hopeful super hopeful really how come well they're coming in it seems sort of pre-wired it's baked into them yeah there's life after physical death yeah i get that i want to live my best life here and maybe it's because they haven't experienced a lot of loss yet, but they're they're not so much interested in making contact with loved ones. They want to hear from their guides. They want to connect with their higher self. I mean, they're they're much more advanced in terms of their goals and objectives with their spiritual abilities, and they're ready to do it. And these abilities do run in families, so we got to give credit to the ancestors and to our generation and the generation between us and them, um, because we're, we're, you know, humankind is an iterative process. We're learning as we go. And so the conversation you and I are having right now, one day on the other side, is going to be a conversation about, you know, making contact with other dimensions and making contact with um, other galaxies to be discovered. But you know, we're, we're learning, we're growing, and it changes every generation. Do you find people who are more spiritual have a better ability to contact the other side? No, I, no, you don't. I don't. I, the other side seems to decide when that, that after-death communication is going to happen, because remember, it's, there's that spontaneous nature to it. But now if we're talking about mediumship and the person who is the medium, that's different. That requires a whole different orientation and ah. requires a feeling of being called to service because it's, it's, it's a Leslie Flint, um, who is like the goat, the greatest of all time um, of mediumship, said, I wouldn't miss mediumship as a career. I wouldn't wish mediumship as a career on anyone because it's nerve wracking. And um, it really, it really is um, because you're, you're, you're immersed in people's emotions, and you have to be taking really fine care of yourself to be able to sustain that connection. And you tense every muscle, and it feels like every tissue in your body is tense while you're doing it. And yet, when you see Hope Restored, it's the most rewarding thing in the world. I mentioned the movie Ghost with uh, Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore, but uh, Whoopi Goldberg was also in it, uh, Suzanne. And uh, I remember the scene where the ghost jumped in her. Does that ever happen to you? Yes. Yes, it has happened. And uh, when we learn to see when it's coming and we get stronger with um, our boundaries, if we don't want it to happen, it, it, it doesn't happen against my will. But I'll, I'll admit that um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of wanting to feel what the spirit is feeling. And I did take trance um, training at Arthur Finley College. And it's not exactly like what they showed in that movie, but the way that they showed it was very educational, I think. And Whoopi, she pulled it off so nicely. I love just watching that first scene when she realizes, hey, I'm really a medium. It's so cool. 
All right, let's go to the phones. Let's pick it up by going to Bobby in West Texas, east of the Rockies. Hi, Bobby. Go ahead. Hi, George. Um, I had a question, but I also would like a reading. I don't Um, know if that's possible. Yeah, of course. Go ahead. Well, my question is, because my sister died a little over two months ago, and she and I were on the same page when it came to the afterlife. And so I've been waiting for signs from her. I think I have two instances. But uh, my question was, um, do souls sometimes step back because uh, someone like me who is obsessed with getting signs, um, it's uh, interrupting my own life journey? That's a beautiful question, and I'm sorry that you are in brand-new, fresh grief. That is the hardest part. It's important to honor it. Yes, they, they, they'll, they'll step back, but only temporarily. Typically, they'll be around you in the very beginning um, because they want to make sure you're okay, and then they'll go to sort of a welcome home party and maybe have a very brief review of the highlights of life and then and feel better themselves and enjoy their time. But we can pull too hard on their energy. We can be so anxious and especially during fresh grief, it might be a little soon for you. Be patient. But what I see around you in your energy right now are feathers and songs. And um, I also have heard, like, I can't make out the words, but I hear whispering. So I think she's whispering to you, and eventually you'll hear it, probably when you're falling asleep or waking up. But um, give it, I'm going to say, another month or two. And can you give her a quick reading, this, Suzanne? Yeah, I feel that your sister is with grand grandmother, and um, I see an older lady that reached out your her hand for this sister, and she shows me an older hand and puffy fingers and the you know the liver spots when you get older, but all of that going away like she's young now. The grandmother that met your sister. And they're thick as thieves on the other side and having a good time. So you will hear from your sister for sure and possibly even this grandmother that's hanging with her. There you go, Bobby. Hope everything works out for you. Next up, let's go to Kim in the state of Washington, west of the Rockies. Hi, Kim. Hi there. Hi, George. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. And I've been on your show before, and I believe that Suzanne was the um, median that I had talked to. My mom had um, just recently um, died a few days before I think three days it was, and um, she wasn't able to contact her because um, she had told me. Or hi, Suzanne, you had told me that um, that um, it was too. Uh, it would mess with her journey, being so recent. Um, so don't remember that, but okay. Anyway, um, she came to me in a rainbow. That that day is what what made me call, and it just happened again. I'm um, was down at the beach yesterday, or it was the day before, and um, and my mom came to me in rainbows, like little small rainbows that shouldn't have been there, and and it hmm. happened actually two days, two different times. That's pretty cool. I also see around you, like prisms, like anything anything that can catch a light, like a clear crystal. Or even a mirror, like she'll use reflections. Yes, so, yes. Uh-huh. Like that's already happened and it's going to continue happening because she is full of light and she she's learned real quickly how to use light to get through to you. So I want you to keep an eye on that and write down those experiences because put the date and, and what she sent you 
and how you felt about it because that's going to be a nice keepsake for one day a long, long time from now for you to hand down because my sense is you'll probably do the same thing for your loved ones because you're so full of light. Yes. And, you know, um, like 10 minutes after her funeral that we had, um, it started hailing. It was absolutely crazy. I heard that had something to do with um, on the other side doing like the rainbows from her. You know, I'm also picking up like making a butterfly or some kind of insect land on somebody. So I want you to pay attention to that, like landing on their head or landing on their, their hand. I keep getting a vision of that to come for you. You do. Okay. All right. Good luck, Kim. Hope that works out for you. Do the dead, Suzanne, have the ability to influence the weather? We don't know how this unlimited power works, but we also have the knowledge of the fact that they tell us over and over in in 200 years of afterlife research coming through um, reliable mediums, mediums that were spoken with in different countries before there's even an internet or email or sharing of information that the spirit people don't want to interfere with our world too much. They will, once we've made a decision in our free will, they're not going to stop anything. And they typically don't try to change too much for us, but they do see what's coming. So they might give you a heads up. As far as what they can do about the weather, miracles happen. We've seen it all the time. I mean, how do you explain the tornadoes that wipe out a whole town and where everyone was gathered left that intact? Except the church never got hit. Right, right. That is that God? Is that the universe? Is that the guides? In the in the the theory of universal consciousness, it's all the same thing. It's all one. Let's go to Aaron in Fountain Valley, California. Aaron, go ahead. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Good, Aaron. Thank you. Hope you are too. Um, very well. Um, Suzanne, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, George. So, so these- uh, my grandfather was. Uh, on my mother's side, a black ace in the Navy. He was in World War II. He was a lieutenant colonel. And I want to say thank you for serving. Thank you. And Suzanne, I called last Friday, I believe it was, when we were last discussing the kind of afterlife things. Mm -hmm. And I was almost going to get on, almost. But I was like the second to last caller. Oh, the time, the clock. Probably, however, it ended. But um, the last caller, remarkably, that ended was Barry. And that was the name of my father. Oh, that's cool. And so I had a dream about a month or two ago where I saw my father, and I've never seen his face. I remember him one time walking with him when I was like five years old or less, but I never saw his face, but it was so real, right? So the thing is that, um, is that I remember him in that dream and he was telling me that like I was on the right path. You know what I mean? Yes, that's, uh, that's what we call a validation dream. And what typically happens is we're wondering something and we're thinking and that gets mixed in with, man, you know, I really miss my dad or whoever it is that you miss. And then in the next breath, you're thinking, 
am I okay? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing in life? Well, they receive that all as one message because you'd, if he were here in physical, you'd go see him or you'd pick up the phone and just say, you know, Dad, that's what I've been wondering. Well, he's going to validate for you that, yes, you're doing what you need to be doing and I'm proud of you. What better way than a dream? And it's spontaneous. It just happened. You didn't ask for that dream visit, I don't think. And so that's definitely a, a wonderful after-death communication. As far as a message um, for you, I see that you are clairaudient, and that means that you have uh, somewhat of an ability through, the, it's through the throat energy center to hear spirit messages. And I need to tell you, it's Aaron, right? Yeah. Okay, I need to tell you that don't expect to hear dad or other loved ones like it's a voice outside of you because you, you have a clairaudient ability that I can see in your aura. You're going to hear their voice like it's in your own head, but you didn't think the words. And so I want you to pay attention to that because he's talking to you. And he's telling you, please, it's not scary, it's not bad or anything, but you need to watch your cholesterol. What can I say? The spirit world is very practical. Interesting. Suzanne, why do some people attract negative beings and other people don't? I think there's a couple reasons. And, I'm, you know, we talked earlier here about their, you know, if, if you're doing negative things in life, that's what you're going to attract. So I'm going to leave that to the side and talk about when good people have experiences. Would you like to hear about that? 30 seconds. Go ahead. Okay. It is a test oftentimes to see if you can be scared away. As your, your energy shifts into a, a higher frequency, you may be tested. You may glimpse something or have a thought that makes you uncomfortable. Don't try to push it away. Just release it and let it go, and you have passed that test. It's that easy. It really is. We're more powerful than we give ourselves credit for, George. We sure are. Your YouTube channel is uh, available to everybody. It's free, right? It is. It's carefree medium. Go take some classes. Enjoy yourself. Develop your abilities and live your empowered life. We're going to come back with Suzanne Wilson and take final calls right here on Coast to Coast AM. So hang where you are and don't touch your dial. We shall be right back. And we're back with our final segment with Suzanne Wilson, George Norrie with you and your calls as well. Suzanne, you've talked about raising our levels of consciousness, but that the dead want that to happen. How come? They want to see us live our best lives while we're still here. When we get to the other side, you know, I call that, you know, real, our real home. It's like what we did here on Earth went by in just the snap of a fingers. It's so fast. And what, why the spirit world wants to see us raise our consciousness is because that is the mission. It is the mission to bring a little bit of heaven here to earth. And when you hear people talk about ascension, that's what they're talking about. Ascension is conversations um, and actions, monitoring our thoughts, words, and actions, and so that they're loving, they're compassionate, we're treating others as we want to be treated. Bottom line is, if you're doing your very best, humanly possible, to follow the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, you're fulfilling much of what you came here to do. What happens when some spirit has done something very bad when they were humans? Maybe they killed somebody, but then they die. What happens to them? 
what we've heard from oh, 20 decades of afterlife research is pretty consistent that in the life review, which it seems like most, if not all, souls have, don't know, you know, what the percents are on that, don't have right. that data, but I can tell you that you are going to feel how you made others feel on earth, whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. And once we're back in that heavenly realm and we feel how we made others feel, we go through a process of forgiving ourselves or not. We can just get stuck there for a while. But most decent people like you or me and our listeners are not going to get stuck in, in any kind of rut. We're, we're going to feel it, learn from it, and realize, hey, nobody's judging me but me. Let's go to Chris in New Hampshire. Hey, Chris, go ahead. Thanks for holding. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to pass on the afterlife uh, thing to Susan. Sure. Uh, oh. I had a girlfriend who uh, passed away in February, and then uh, August came and her birthday. I kind of woke up in the early morning hours and was having a light light sleep dream, I guess. Uh, she uh, appeared, appeared to me, her mother and her... Uh, there was a child sitting on a park bench in a lush green area, and uh, she walked up to me and uh, said, uh, I, I told her, I said, I want to be with you. And she said, I can't. Uh, and then this, like, fog uh ball appeared and all of a sudden black so uh what kind of message was that susan well i i hope that i know that's that would have a huge emotional impact and i'm very sorry for your your loss i want to tell you that sounds like a dream that we that we are dream or a contact whatever where whether you're fully awake or fully asleep it's a, it's an after-death communication but that sounds like an explanatory contact where, you know, she's hearing you say, I want to be with you, I want to be with you, I'm, you know, I don't know who I am with you or something like that. And she's trying to explain, well, but you can't. So it's not that she is um, upset for her where she is, all is well. She is feeling your pain and trying to reach out to comfort you, but she's, she's fine. But does that mean that... Uh... He'll never communicate with her? No, it just means that the kind of communication that you're used to, it, it's changed, it's different. And the souls will do this over and over again. They'll try to explain, I'm still part of your life, but it's a different way now. And so the best thing to do is, you know, he needs to stay open and very observant of other ways that she's going to communicate. Look, here's what what grief can center upon. We miss that person, but we also miss who we are with that person. You are still you, and by revisiting those memories, 
you are still who you were with that person. And so they try to remind us that when we revisit the memory of them, our brain doesn't know the difference, according to MRI studies, our brain doesn't know the difference between a memory and an actual event. So you can get the benefit by thinking about them and sending them your thoughts. Hey, I just want to let you know about my day, talking to them. You will get the benefit. You'll get the healing anyway. And she's reaching out saying, hey, I can't communicate with you the way I used to communicate, but I'll still do it. I'm still here. Is it natural to grieve, Suzanne? It's natural and it's necessary. And I've seen too many people and read too many studies about those who try to bury the grief and um, self-medicate with um, drugs, alcohol, shopping, sex, whatever it is. And the grief just is going to bubble up in different ways throughout the life, especially if there's some kind of guilt mixed in there. Our loved ones don't want us feeling like that. They, 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 they know that your grief is in perfect measure with how much you loved, and so they're honored by the fact that you truly grieve, but you've got to cry and you've got to let it out. Let's go to Jeremy in Jamestown, North Dakota. Hello there, almost birthday boy again. Um, Susan, on December 8, 2003, I was in a nearly fatal auto accident. Immediately, I was in a coma for two and a half months. When I woke up from my coma, as I was waking up from my coma, I was under the impression that I was climbing this mountain pathway with my wife, and as we were nearing the top, the mountain began to shake and a bunch of boulders started to fall. I escorted what I thought was her into this cave, and I was hit by a boulder that knocked me off the cliff. Is it possible that I left a part of her soul in the coma land because she was not the same person that I was married to when I awoke from my coma. But she's alive, right? Yep. Okay. Um, This could well be one of those situations where we meet up um, on the astral straight, the astral plane, someone who is still physically living but a part of their consciousness has traveled. You know, sometimes it's a dream, sometimes it's a hallucination. It depends on how real this felt to you and whether you felt a message in there. I sense it's kind of a little bit of a mixture of um, the coma state, but also your wife had to be terribly concerned about you and wanting to, you know, talk to you and make contact with you, and part of her consciousness could have entered your dream in your Mine did not know what to do with that, but she's fine, right? She's my ex-wife now. I I didn't hear that. She's an ex-wife now. Oh, she's an ex now. Okay. So let me ask you, what do you think it means? Jeremy? Jeremy, birthday guy. I think he hung up. Okay. Well, it feels to me, George, like one of those things where the mind is processing uh, contact with the consciousness of a loved one 
And could it have been a foretelling of things to come? Perhaps, because intuition is always at work even when you're in a coma. First time caller, Lynn, in the state of Florida is with us. Hey, Lynn, go ahead. Lynn, you with us? Yes, I'm I'm with you. Okay, go ahead. Hey, I'm a first time caller. I've been listening to your show for 20 years. Well, thank you, sir. um, I'm working for the Florida Department of Corrections. And so um, I I was just wanting a a general reading. Okay. So um, I'm tuning to the sound of your voice. Um, What state do you live in? Florida. Are you Florida? Okay. Here we go. There's, I feel like there's um, two fellows around you. Uh, one would be a dad or father-in-law, but it's a father position. And one is a male contemporary, which is going to be a brother or brother-in-law. And um, I see uh, fishing poles with them as well. And there's a sign, gone fishing. It doesn't mean that that sign really existed, but it's a way when I see that, it's not just about fishing. It's also to say we're enjoying our lives over here. Uh, the other thing, too, is I see a lot of moving boxes and packing tape, and I feel like there's boxes of stuff around you that need to be opened and put away, uh, but it's okay to just keep them stacked where they are because it feels like there's a lot of other people's stuff. Um, and you've got a, a angels around you as well, so I know you're a prayer Thanks for, for calling in. Interesting. How many angels? Can you see angels a lot, Suzanne? Mostly as colors. I, I'm not real good at seeing them developed into, you know, I don't see them like you you look in a Bible and they're playing harps with wings. I'll see colors for them and I'll see shapes that look like wings. Um, but I feel three different um, lights around this collar and one would be a guardian angel, and the other two would be those that were called in. Let's go to Stamford, Connecticut. Cleo's with us. Cleo, thanks for calling. Thank you, George, for taking my call. I've been a very long-time listener, and this is the first time I'm calling in. Oh, thank you. Um, I wanted to share with, with you and Suzanne just the phenomenal, beautiful contact experience I've had with my sweetheart, Rich. Um, oh. He passed in January, and um, I originally started to contact him early on, and I have a feeling it was probably too early because it was, um, I'm of the Orthodox faith, Greek Orthodox, and the feeling is that one soul needs to have 40 days before they can reach, um, I guess, where they're supposed to be in paradise or wherever that is. And um, I did reach him through a medium over the phone, um, just shy of 40 days. And we had been in touch by phone each month. Um, And then only the past month and a half, um, Rich had said over the, you know, when we were speaking over the phone, that we didn't need to use the medium, that we can be in touch ourselves. And he he was very right about that because I love that. He, he has intuited my feelings. And when I 
when I miss him and I grieve and I'm crying, he just surrounds me with these wonderful hugs. And it's just such a warm, just tingly sometimes, just very, very warm, warm feeling. And he, it's just like he's there. He feels me. He knows what I'm thinking. And he is, he's just there with me. And it's, it's just been so beautiful. But I have been feeling really guilty that I've disturbed his journey. And um, my higher self has let me know that I should pray for him, that I can think of him but that I shouldn't desire to be with him. So that's been my query, whether, um, you know, I, I, I do not think of him as much. I don't know him. I think she should be able to think about him. Suzanne, we got a minute left. Go ahead. Absolutely. So often we're, we see other people suffering and we think, oh, but, you know, I'm, I'm past that. I feel the presence. I wish they had that. Um, and you're not being selfish. What you have is the, the secret sauce. You know what it is? It's gratitude. You are so grateful for the fact that you can feel his presence that it begets more contact and more closeness. So don't ever feel guilty about that. And one way to take care of that guilt, assuage it, is to teach other people. So just send a thought out there. I'm really grateful and for to God and for this contact. Um, Lord, put people in my path who I can bear witness to that their loved one is still with them, that all they have to do is open their heart to feel them. And you'll start being sent people one by one that you can share this with and be a teacher. You know, um, that will help you feel like you've made the most of this. And yeah, it works, Suzanne. It works. We're out of time. Suzanne Wilson, our website's linked up at coasttocoastam.com. For Dan Galanti, Donna Walker, Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean Ladasor, Stephanie Smith, Chris Burroughs, Tim Banal, George Napanee, and Punnett. I'm George Norrie somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.